You are listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Amy McManus, and I'm here with my dad, Erwin McManus. We're finally back. We are back. We took a little spring break, two weeks off, and we are here now. Yeah, I was really encouraged by all the angry people saying, where's the podcast? (laughs) And thank you to everyone who sent me selfies with a teardrop. When we were away, oceans, oceans. We are, we are, we are back. We're doing this. It's Friday, new episode. What are we going to talk about today? I think we're going to do a kind of like a potpourri. We're going to a potpourri. Yeah. What is that? Sorry, I I picked a. You mean uh, the stuff that old ladies have in their houses? Syllabic word. And now I'm being uh, a buffet. (laughs) Well, a buffet of brilliance. Yeah, and Brooke, could you confirm the potpourri is a legitimate word used appropriately? It's a legitimate word, and you used it appropriately. Yes, thank you. Potpourri. Potpourri, you mean the stuff when you used to walk into the mall and your mom makes you go to that store and you're like, Mom, I don't want to. It makes me smell bad. And you know what it's made out of? <laughs> made out of dead flowers. A potpourri of different things. <laughs> oh, so potpourri means diversity, means differences. An assortment and arrangement of different things. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are not Webster's. But anyway, what I'm saying, we're going we're gonna to talk about a lot of things. We're going to answer some questions. We're going to touch on different subjects. Uh, so we're going to... So do you want to start light or do you want to start... Should we just go for it? Um, we want to ease our way in. Let's ease our way in today because, you know, it's been a couple of weeks and I just flew in. So give me a little chance to ramp up. So much <laughs> has gone on in the world since we took a break. That's so true. Are you getting the vaccine? Wow. I thought you're starting right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is an interesting question. Uh, I've had a personal journey here. Okay. And... I was trying to do all my due diligence and all my research, and early on I thought for certain that the the singular safe vaccine that I would take, if I was going to take it, would be the Johnson & Johnson. How the tables have, have turned, turned, flipped, oh broken down, <laughs> They've turned and so been hard. paused. They've turned so hard, I feel like a DJ. <laughs> and, and, there, the, 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 it's... I'm sure just because we're mentioning vaccines, some algorithm will like blacklist this podcast, but we're not saying don't get one. No, so what I was going to say was- You haven't said anything yet. Are you going to get one or not? I am. Okay. Uh, In fact, on Friday, oh, today- Blink twice if you're kidding. uh, (laughs) Today, (laughs) I will be getting the vaccine as well as my wife, Kim, and- I, I wasn't really comfortable getting the Pfizer or the Moderna because they're not actual vaccines, they're RNAs. And I didn't know if we've really done enough research on the new technology that has created these uh, forms of vaccine. So I thought, okay, the Johnson & Johnson, at least it's an actual vaccine. I'll get that one. And then, of course, um, of course, six people ended up being hospitalized. One person died due to, I think, brain blood clots. So clearly, uh, Johnson & Johnson- Is that Johnson's- true? Yikes. It was six women, right? Six women, yeah. That's also very interesting. Yeah, so, uh, and now it's been taken off the table, although it looks like, uh, from what Fauci has said, they're going to bring it back even with its concerns. And so now we're going to get a different one, the vaccines. And I do have mixed feelings about it. I, one, I, I want to be, since I'm getting it, I can say this. Um, I don't feel I need the vaccine at all. I feel that it's wrong to create so much cultural pressure on people to get the vaccine. I think that it's a bad precedent in our society that we tell healthy people what to do rather than create safeguards for people who are vulnerable and uh, sick. Um, I think that we should not have vaccine passports. And I don't think that 
Sorry. We should not be able to go to work or to events because we don't have vaccines. So on a fundamental level, I really am resistant. I'm getting the vaccine for a couple of reasons. One, um, Kim wants to get the vaccine. Okay. And uh, and I wouldn't have her get the vaccine without me getting the vaccine. Right. Um, very Romeo and Juliet. Very. Yeah, that's right. We're in things together. And that's just, that's what 37 years of marriage does. Amen. And uh, two, I'm still single. <laughs> Two, it seems like there's an overwhelming number of people who are Christians, who are pastors, who are anti-vaccine, uh, and it seems like Christians are afraid or against science, and so I feel like my getting the vaccine is sort of a statement of, I'm not against science. I don't think the science here is as legitimate as it should be, and it hasn't been given enough time to be validated. So I so I do think that I'm, I'm entering into early stages. So I see myself ex, as experimental. I think there's a lot of beautiful things that are happening. For the first time in history, yeah. conservatives are pro-choice. <laughs> they are pro-choice. My body, yeah. my choice. And I'm not joking. It's actually, an, it, it, is, it is an interesting, like, subject matter, I right. think, a topic to discuss. Right, but the flip side is liberals, for the first time... Are trusting science. Are against, are against choice. And, <laughs> are against uh, choice. And, yeah. and I think the trusting science thing will come back later on to um, and, bring and, some interesting conversations And at the same up. time, the yes. liberal perspective right now is you don't have the right to make choices over your body. And because the vaccine really is an infringement on the choices I make on my body. And so it's it's a, it's a flip right now. Every, everybody's upside down. Yes. And I think it's really odd, like a lot of people in the health industry who are adamantly anti-vaxxers are now adamantly for the vaccine. And then a lot of people who are in the organic naturalist uh, environments are now for the vaccine. And then there are people who um, are for the vaccine and um, and they they they. And my mom is eighty three. She just got the vaccine, and she told me. I said, "Mom, how do you feel about it?" And she said, "We were always experiments." <laughs> That's what she told me. She said, um, "All these people are acting as if this this vaccine is the first time that people are experimenting on us." She goes, "I." She goes, "I've been alive a long time, and I realize that we've been experiments for decades and decades and decades." And then she said, "I." She goes, I think that with my vulnerabilities and my age, I would not survive the worst strain of COVID. She goes, so I have nothing to lose by taking the vaccine. It gives me a better chance of living. Hmm. And I thought, what, a, what an intelligent, rational, and thoughtful approach toward taking the vaccine. And she's definitely the most conservative person in our entire family. And she's extremely conservative, and yet she was, you go, know, in line. grandma. Yeah. So, I, so for myself, I didn't want to get in line ahead of people. I felt that it, it, there's a lack of dignity for jumping in front of the line just because you can um, and getting in the in ahead of people who are vulnerable. See, I'm okay with people jumping in front of the line <laughs> because I think there's, <laughs> we were joking about this earlier. There are, pe there are the people who go and buy the iPhone the moment the iPhone comes out. Mm -hmm. And there's the people who go and buy the iPhone when the iPhone Plus comes out. So it's just really dependent. I think at some point, well, I guess this is this is where I'm confused because they're saying that you have to get the vaccine every year, right? Well, now suddenly they're saying you have to get a third shot, and then now uh, you're, you're, I'm hearing a subtext that not only do you have to have a third shot, but you'll have to get it every single year. And they keep saying like the flu vaccine, but it's not like the flu vaccine because you're not obligated to get the flu vaccine. So if we are obligated to keep getting vaccinated for COVID, it's not like the flu vaccine. It's a mandatory vaccine to be able to exist as a free citizen. And so now I, I'm going to do the two, and I guess next year you're going to have just a third. But I look at it and go, I'm almost 63. 
what's the vaccine going to do to me in a negative way? And I'd rather, in a sense, be a social experiment and see if there are any symptoms and make sure that, you know, the future generations can be healthier. I, I want the next generation to have a safer vaccine by us taking the vaccine and seeing what the consequences or benefits are. Mm. Okay. Yeah. What's next? <laughs> All right. So What's here next? we go. So you're going to do it. I am. It's over. If there's no more battle ready, we know. But you know what's driving me crazy? We know why. Is hearing, okay, you get the vaccine, but then you still have to constantly get the COVID test. Plus, you still have to socially distance. Plus, you still have to wear a mask. And I'm going, then what is the, what's the point, point yeah, no. of getting the vaccine? I'm going to, I'm getting the vaccine so that we can go back to a free world where we don't have to be told to be socially distanced. We're not allowed to uh, come in church and worship where we don't have to uh, wear masks all the time. The Supreme Court just ruled in the church's favor. Yes, but mostly over prayer meetings and not... Small gatherings yeah. still. It's like more like house church. Yeah, than so really when people is. go, hey, now you can worship, I go, no, no, you understand. Yeah, if you actually read the article. Yeah, if yeah. you really read what's going on, you still have to be 50% uh, capacity or six feet distanced. But most, be, most buildings can't actually functionally make that happen. So the Staples Center has, what, 3,000 people for a Clippers game, 18, even that holds 18,000, yeah. you know, yeah. because the only way you can actually meet the criteria is by having far less than 50%. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And that's the question I probably get the most is when are you guys opening up again? And I, we've been starting to do like mosaic houses across the city and across the country, across the world, which is really interesting and special. A few, mm -hmm. few amounts of people have been kind of gathering together. It's, it's nice to be back. I, I definitely noticed people were having a little bit of a hard time socially engaging again. Uh -huh. And <laughs> there's some social anxiety. There, a lot of people were coming up and like, it feels weird to be with people. It feels so weird to have like this many people. And it was like, there wasn't that many people, but, it, but more people than most people are used to, Yeah, right? I'm going to go backwards and forth just for a second. I don't want to talk about the vaccine anymore. Okay. Okay, we move on. All right. Okay. You really want to go? To say it. Say no, it. no, I just thought it was interesting that LeBron James, who's such an outspoken person on so many important issues on the vaccine, said it was a private issue. I do. I'll take it when he takes it. And, uh, and I, thought, I think it's a private issue probably because he doesn't, doesn't want to take the vaccine yeah. and people aren't really talking about that kind of dynamic. But going back to what you just said, I was just in Miami and spoke for the first time to a live audience. How many, how many people? Oh, maybe 150 max. Okay. It, so small. It, it really, really small. Yeah. And it was really strange. I yeah. mean, I, I... Were people wearing masks inside? It was Miami. So... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no, they were they were not wearing masks. But I did have to have a COVID test three times last week, okay. and for insurance purposes, they required you to have it twice, uh, once seventy-two hours before the event, once at the event, and I had to have a third one to because I was out of the country to come back in the United States, and so I, I've been tested so much that. Uh, um, well, I'm finally passing tests. I couldn't in high school, <laughs> but, uh, but now I'm a straight A student. And you go to a basketball game for the first time this week, and then you had to take a test before that as well. Yes. So to go to the Clippers game for the first time, I had to have a COVID test the same day or 72 hours before. But if I'm ever going to go back to my regular seats, I have to have the vaccine and have the test every single time. <laughs> so, and I'm sure we'll have to wear the mask unless we're eating. Yeah. And um, yeah. But what about when we're breathing? And <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So enough with that. But the... it made me anxious it, it being around people in terms of a large group speaking. It was very... Was it weirder, though, to speak to them or to, like, shake their hands afterwards? You know, I, I everybody's fist bumping. Fist bumping has become the new handshake. 
I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I don't so, feel any any problem with that. Maybe handshaking I, was, was never I? a great idea. I went right? to a, actually I went to a restaurant this last week, uh-huh. and no, no, I'm an advocate for the handshake. Okay, and the hug. I, I'm a, yeah, I, and I, the, I the cheek kissing in Mexico City. That's I'm an advocate for it. Latin, no. Mm-hmm. Um, the the I was at a restaurant this last week. It was a really nice one in L.A. A friend of mine took me, which was really cool. I didn't realize he had like worked there for a long time, so he knew everyone, the chefs, the managers, the owners. Everyone's coming by saying hi. Everyone was shaking our hand, which was really funny. They were wearing masks, and they take them off, and they shake our hand, and then it was like it was just an interesting. It does feel like since the vaccine is more widely circulated, that it is a bit more relaxed. People are a bit more at ease, and people. Hey, are I appreciate up that. Them. That makes me for it. For sure, man. Give me three of them, then I'll take three. <laughs> But here's the here's the thing. I'm not against it by any means. I and I, the, it probably lies more in just a human like anxiousness of going. Okay, I don't really know that much about it. And so okay, as we learn more and as like more people get it and more people are fine, then the like whatever um, fear around it or or or, or like you know, projection of, of, mm-hmm. of anxiety around it will kind of, will simmer. So I think, I, I think the vaccine thing is less political now, even though it's very politically charged about if you get it and every time you have yeah. to get it and the tests and all these things, I do think it's really just a human nature thing of going, okay, we don't, I don't know if everyone really understands it. I think there's two, there's definitely two pools. I do find it ironic. I was talking with my friend today at breakfast. It's ironic that everyone in Los Angeles is so organic in yoga and <laughs> and and can't do their body, but they do coke and take vaccines. And so it's like it is a funny <laughs> thing in Los Angeles what we're willing to do with our bodies. Not me, but the like this the the young culture. So it will be interesting to see what happens. I'm excited. If the vaccine means no quarantining when we travel, I'm down. Yeah, I just think about like nuanced implications. Like for the last year and a half, the most powerful person in America has been a person that was not elected to office. And right, it, it, but he's it, been but he's been hired as this official for 30 years. Yeah, no, I'm just saying that that um, political systems shift. We have to realize America is a very young country, yeah. and democracy is a is a very fresh and new experiment. And um, and so every time something happens in history where uh, democracy shifts a little bit more toward a uh, an assumption of control that the government has the right to control you. It actually isn't a good thing. No, it's not a good and thing. And we forget that there was a time where our government decided that no one should have alcohol, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and it was called prohibition. Right. And it was really prohibition that allowed the emergence of the the mafia. And pro- I don't really want to go too deep into that. Because we're we are on a tangent right now. No, no, but uh, but you're saying <laughs> okay. the government regulates things when it does and when it deems fit, and then it and unregulates, but it, there, deregulates and there's it. always consequences, right, to those kinds of regulations that it creates a cultural backlash. And and so anyway, I just think that those are things that should always be paid attention to, and and you should just be aware. So I have a question for you. Okay. The last couple of days, the Derek Chauvin trial has been going on in Minnesota. Yes. Minnesota is essentially the police officer who is right. now found guilty on three different charges um, for the brutal um, murder and assault on George Floyd yeah. uh, in the process of arresting him, um, killing him. I, I I do. I was talking about this with friends. I was talking about this with you. Did do we celebrate the conviction? Is it 
unethical or is it wrong for us to celebrate the conviction of Derek Chauvin? You know, I can't speak for other people, but I didn't feel any um, sense of celebration. Like I, I, one, I don't know if you're supposed to celebrate justice. I mean, I think you, you made a great point before we went on air that justice is not something you're supposed to have to celebrate. Yeah. You just expect justice. Right. And it's, it's yeah, it's not, it really isn't like winning something. It, yeah. it, it's a, it's, justice is supposed to be something in this nation that we expect. Accountability is something that uh, we expect. It, it feels yeah. like this country has forgotten what it feels like to, to win, to have moments where things correct or things are won or things are um, fixed. Mm-hmm. And I think this moment, because I, I think, you know, Instagram, social media has been just, and, and then articles, news, Apple News, New York Times, everyone has just been inundated with this headline of Derek Chauvin is found guilty on three accounts, right? Mm-hmm. And and it for me, I, I was torn because even in our group chat that we're in, uh, someone posted like, this is amazing. This the the trial, this happened. He's found guilty, and I'm like, I don't know if this is amazing. Like I'm, I expected the law to do what it does, and for a peer of juries, a jury of peers to decide correctly. Obviously, that isn't the case in every trial. Obviously, that isn't the case in the history of the U.S. But I, I expected it, and there were so many interesting moments in the trial. One I found that it was a politician that almost threatened the jury saying that, do you want to see the cities burn again if this guy's not found guilty? It just says that, the, I think it was calling for like an, a, a more assertive response. I think it was Maxine Waters. Okay. And I don't remember her exact quote, but uh, but I, I guess the judge basically said her statement was grounds for a mistrial or, or which is for a, a file for a mistrial. File for mistrial, which would be really interesting to see if they actually go for that. I'll just say, I'm not saying he's innocent by any means. I'm saying he was obviously guilty. And I'm, I'm, I am, I am... I feel like it was a sufficient and a just uh, decision to find him guilty. What I'm what I'm worried about is th- all of the rest of us. What happens when that is the post? That's the celebration that this man is now sentenced to decades, the rest of his life, pretty much in prison. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I think that tells you and is revealing something that's inside of humanity at this given moment that is a little broken. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, you know, I think that the verdict was just. Yeah. And, um, but it, it's not a moment where I'm filled with joy. It's a moment where I'm filled with the sadness that uh, one, a man could be so lacking in empathy and in his humanity to kill another human being this way. And I think it's just a reminder to us that human beings are really broken and flawed and we need, boy, to me, this is a reminder why we need Jesus. Mm. And because we're really a mess, it's mm. not good. And and then, you know, now the sentencing is going to happen and that will have implications as well. And I certainly want a nation where every human being is treated with justice and dignity and respect. Yeah. And I want a nation where everyone has confidence in our judicial systems to bring justice on their behalf and sometimes um, against your behalf because you're the one who is guilty. Yeah, there's a verse that I really love yeah. in Psalms when when David prays this prayer and asks the Lord to prepare feasts before his enemies. Mm-hmm. He doesn't pray for his enemies to starve. He prays that God will provide enough 
to show his enemies that God's favor is with David, not with his enemies. Yeah. And and there are other moments where David prays for his enemies <laughs> to be eradicated and destroyed. But I do I look uh, upon that verse because I think it's such a great reminder mm-hmm. that that someone else doesn't have to lose for you to win. Mm-hmm. And so I I do think that it is a it is a it is a hard reality when hard reality and a sad reality when people are celebrating someone else's demise. Right. Yeah, uh, and you know it just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a sad day, you know, for so many reasons, and and yet at the same time, I'm really glad that our judicial system this time worked. Yes, and yes. that justice was done. And no, that isn't uh, the conversation we're having. Yeah. I think the conversation we're having is that it doesn't seem like you want to have is how sad it is that people are celebrating someone else's d- destruction and sentencing. Well, I, I understand why they're celebrating a sentencing because he's guilty. And so they're you know celebrating that justice is being done. He's being held accountable for his actions. Yeah. And, but, you know, it, it even to an extreme, remember one time when... But aren't we all guilty to some degree? Obviously, if not of that. But if we were, I don't know, it's counterintuitive to, I think, my faith, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, when I've heard people say they hate certain people because those people were evil or those people were um, in a different uh, place, um, I'm going, wow, you know, I don't know if it's even good inside of me to hate anyone, no matter how evil they are. I can hate their, I can hate the evil and I can hate their action. Um, I'm just thinking Jesus says to love your enemy. And yeah, so I don't think we should ever enjoy someone else's destruction or enjoy someone else's demise. I think we should realize that um, we, are, we are experiencing tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy mm. as human beings. Yeah. You, you know, and and we got to fix this. Yeah, right? I think it was very interesting because, I, you know, I, I really didn't pay attention to the trial too much, but I would check in and Google and see, and I was looking for his, like, his testimony, why he test, why he didn't testify. I didn't realize he didn't testify. Did you know, Did you guys read that? Did, did they explain why he wouldn't testify? He invoked his Fifth Amendment right. Yeah, but they, did they say why? Well, no. I, that was, I mean, I think that was his reason, basically. I don't think he wanted to say anything yeah. f- frankly, frankly damage his case. Yeah. If I were innocent, I would speak on my behalf. I think that's maybe one of the most heartbreaking things is that, you know, I, I, you can't project intent. You can't project what he's going through, what he's feeling, or what, what he yeah. was thinking in that moment. You can infer and you can guess, but it seemed like if if I was feeling repentant for something, there would be nothing that would keep me from at least apologizing in front of other people. Right, yeah. even if you're guilty, but you feel yes. huge remorse, you would use that moment just to publicly apologize and ask for forgiveness for what you did. And it doesn't seem like he's actually even, I haven't heard processed it, you know, know? yeah, it's, it's really a sad thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I know that we were getting texts and updates from our friends Mm -hmm. who were basically saying, Hey, be really careful around where where our offices are because you know, the city could erupt again Mm -hmm. if, if the right charge wasn't essentially or the right the right verdict wasn't yeah. found, you know. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing to talk about. Yeah, whether it was I, right or wrong. Um, you know, when I was at this event in, in the first spontaneous. Well, talk about the event. You haven't really talked about. Oh, okay. It. So I was at this event in Miami this last weekend, this past uh, weekend, and 
it's again the first event I've done in a year and a half, and um, it was a small event with a hundred members, and every person paid a hundred thousand dollars to be there. Yeah, and they their company had to make minimally a hundred million dollars a year. Okay, so it was a very kind of exclusive financial group, and you I was got asked, asked to speak, and I was asked to speak to them. And, awesome. And so I, I was there for the weekend uh, trying to invest in their lives. A lot of the guys there came to me and said, hey, I'm an atheist. You know, this is my first kind of spiritual or faith conversation. But in the first spontaneous session, I'm on a panel, and the third question, a guy stands up and just goes, how do you stomach being religious, and how do you stomach the hypocrisy in Christianity, and how mm-hmm. do you justify your faith when pastors, you know, live in immorality and, you know whatever else, and he just went on. That was how it opened for me. Yeah. And I I just said, um, yes, there are pastors who mess up, pastors who are corrupt, pastors who commit adultery, pastors who um, uh, are hypocrites. I said, but you are all like entrepreneurs and you make millions and millions of dollars. I can't believe you haven't had people in the business world who have betrayed you. I can't believe you don't do business with people who are hypocrites. I can't imagine that uh, you stopped doing business because someone had an affair. It is interesting that you you uh, haven't given up on money because people don't meet up to your standards, but you give up on God when people don't meet up to your standards. And and I want to add this to the third thing. Um, you, you can't give up on... Um, the goodness of people, even though we see bad actors. And you, you to me, it's like, I, I, I know people who are in law enforcement, they're really good people. Yeah. You can't just throw every police officer under a bus and say every woman, every man who wears the blue is corrupt and a racist and, um, and untrustworthy. And, and I think that the human tendency is to want to throw everyone into the same uh, cesspool. But isn't that where what's gotten us where we're at? It's this racism, it's this stereotyping, it's this uh, need to indict everyone as the worst version of someone who represents them. Mm. And just because a pastor messes up doesn't mean every pastor can't be trusted. Just because a businessman messes up, it doesn't mean every businessman can't be trusted. Just because a cop does the wrong thing and messes up and, and even does something horrific, it doesn't mean you, that every cop is the same way. And we need to stop trying to define each other by the worst actions of someone else and actually begin to reestablish trust. Because it's the only way we're going to heal our nation. It's the only way we're going to create a better future. Hmm. So that's my little message on that. We can move on. So this so, weekend, yeah. I'm with these hundred, you know, multimillionaires and billionaires. Okay, and and some of them were incredibly young. you know, and yeah. uh, and and all of them were uh, very very successful. And it was interesting having conversation with them. You begin to see common characteristics among different people. A lot of them had a very similar story. They had really rough upbringings. I mean, this was not a room of people with silver spoons in their mouth when they were born. Uh, some of them were living out of their cars. One of them was a ninth grade dropout. Another one had been in federal prison five times. Uh, another guy was so violent, he went to prison for uh, beating people senseless. Uh, I mean, they were these were people who were so messed up in junior high and high school and, and um, that you would think they had no future. Right. 
And so the idea that wealth only comes to the entitled, that wealth only comes to the people who are uh, privileged, that wealth only comes to people who have advantages, it's just a mythology. What I find, and what I found, especially this weekend, is that no wealth actually came to people who were so afraid to be poor <laughs> that they risked everything yeah. to create something. They were yeah. so afraid to become um, like everyone else in their family, or they're yeah. so afraid to be stuck in a world they didn't want to be in yeah. that they found more courage to risk and to create. And and also they they seemed like they had this high sense of competition, mm-hmm. but it wasn't necessarily against other people. They were competing against everyone who didn't believe in them. And I kept mm-hmm. hearing this theme over and over again. It's like they were living their lives to prove to everyone else they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> to, to prove to everyone who told them they were nothing, they would never accomplish yeah. anything, they were good for nothing, that they were going to prove to them they were wrong. And you have almost this, this volatile combination of uh, so afraid to be poor and so committed to prove to everyone that they could actually accomplish something. And it created this chemical reaction that looks a lot like uh, success. <laughs> what, what did, did you enjoy it? Did you, you were talking a bit about, you know, it, being in a place where there was a lot of people speaking at an event. You haven't spoken at an event yeah. live in a year. Yeah, I enjoyed half. it, and I was exhausted. Yeah, but that's <laughs> that's natural. But I feel I can always tell when yeah. you're having fun. Was mm-hmm. it more interesting than Ted? Yes. What made it? And not to compare, <laughs> but I want to know because no, this is no, no, because this is what no, no, because what's his Chris, um, Chris, Chris Anderson, Chris Anderson. Anderson. If he ever hears this or ever hears anything we do, I'm such a fan of Chris Anderson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's so. like going into like deep space, like he's going to deep tech, deep science. That stuff's fringe. Not mm-hmm. all of it's really the most interesting, but you get really incredible nuggets. But I love the deep space, or it's, deep or it's all in, it's all interesting. It's not always compelling. Yeah, and sometimes it feels a little. Uh, preachy, ah, and you know, I, I would say because I've been to so many TEDs, but like this 20. didn't. Yeah, you've been to like twenty, right? Yeah, and so yeah, fifteen years. Yeah, and so sometimes it gets preachy, like uh, about environmentalism. I'm going, everyone in this room believes well, that what, we what should a, save the, the planet. Yeah, <laughs> and so why <laughs> do you still have ten speakers talking about the same thing? Yeah, you know? well, well, a lot of people don't realize too about TED is like what people see of TED is all of the best talks. Yeah, but you're hearing like. Four, Every talk. four or five days of like Non-stop. 15 talks, yeah. 12 minutes long or something. So you're hearing a lot of bad talks. Yeah, a lot of talks are not as compelling as other talks. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so what, what was the difference between this? What was the format? Um, well, Can you they talk had, about that? They, yeah, they, they had a lot of speakers. Uh, I mean- Who I, runs this thing? A guy named Joel Marion. Joel Marion. And so it wasn't Ed Millett. No. But Ed was there. No, Ed wasn't there. I just, Ed, I Ed wasn't actually, there? No, I just did his podcast- uh, as soon as I flew back in, I'm so confused. I'm such a fan of his podcast now. Yeah. So, but Ed Millett clearly qualifies to be there, but he, but he didn't go. He wasn't there. And but, I heard him pronounce his name, so it's Ed Milet. 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 And, um, but I think part of the reason I like this event, one is that one of the guys there has the fourth highest IQ in the world. So it was a really smart room. Wow. And uh, really intelligent people. But there was a lot of what I would call gritty intelligence. You, you, you know, not not academic intelligence. Uh, some of them, you know, would say, "Hey, I'm not a reader," <laughs> you know, yeah. and I'll listen to your book on Audible. Yeah, but but there was gritty intelligence, the kind of intelligence that figures out how to create something, the kind of intelligence that solves problems. So you know, one of the speakers was talking on um, on Bitcoin, and um, 
And a lot of cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency and, conversations. Yeah, yeah. And others are talking about you know real estate and 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 how to leverage real estate to develop a, a massive portfolio. And others were talking about, um, well, how how um, how to take advantage of global tax benefits. And <laughs> you know, and uh, I and, like this place. And I realize these people think yes, and and they let no assumptions stand. And like a lot of things with the rest of us, we just assume we're powerless. <laughs> you know, we just do what we're told. This is a room of people that really don't do what they're told. They do what they must. Okay. And yeah, uh, yeah. and they create and 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 frankly, I met some of the kindest and most interesting people I've known in a long time. And uh, that, um, you know, you, there was a whole spectrum of people. You know, some of them were young the, and this is how and, I could tell. So I asked okay. for the format, not, okay. oh, not sorry. for the layout. But right. I liked the layout. What was the format? <laughs> format was... Um, when did you speak? Okay. There was a lot of spontaneity. No, no, just give me what the format is. Okay. You can't answer the Friday. Questions. Friday, there was a lunch, and then they had a panel, and they got to ask questions of us on the panel. There was like 10 you of us on the panel. Were you, were you supposed to be on the panel, or did you just... <laughs> I didn't even know there was a panel. I didn't even know there was a lunch. <laughs> I think I think we were on the phone, yes. and you were like, hey, I got it, buddy, I got to go into this thing. And then you're like, oh, shoot, there's a chair. Oh, yeah. shoot, I'm supposed to be on this panel. I don't wanna, think I was supposed to be on this panel. Right, and so then if you want to add more humiliation, they have like nine people on the panel, They uh, and they had eight really cool chairs, and so I got the ninth chair. And the reason I got the <laughs> night chairs because right when they're introducing the panel, I ran to the bathroom. So I'm walking back in from the bathroom. I'm hearing my name and I'm having to walk up while everybody was already sitting there. So I didn't really start this thing in my Did you know you were posture. on the panel though? I didn't really know I was going to be on the panel. I didn't know there was going like, to be a panel. <laughs> I feel like that's such a title, the ninth chair. <laughs> yes, I am the ninth chair. And so then they asked three questions. One of the questions was to me about how I could stomach um, religion. And then the next... What was your answer? I, I gave you the answer. I basically said that um, I don't give up on other things because human beings are imperfect. I don't give up on government because human beings are imperfect. I don't give up on business because human beings are imperfect. And I don't give a... up on sports because human beings are imperfect. Why would I give up on God because human beings are imperfect? What an well, incredible answer. <laughs> that guy... Yeah. I'm not sure his name because you were giving me a lot of names yeah, sure. in a lot of conversations. A lot of conversations. He came to you afterwards. He did. And what did he say? He said... Um, the guy who asked the question. He goes, I know who you are. <laughs> As he said. Okay. And I wanted you... To, basically, he was saying, I'm asked, I asked you the question that everybody in the room wanted to have asked. Mm -hmm. And I want to give you a chance just at the beginning of this thing to speak into the cynicism that fills this room about anyone who believes in Jesus or believes in God. Wow. And I said, Amazing. thank you. you. That's so cool. <laughs> did you, um, so, okay. So, so did you feel like there wasn't as many sessions as Ted? No. Um, and you got longer. Ted, you get 14 minutes. And the, so. These on, were like longer form. On, on, yeah. On Saturday, every speaker had about 45 minutes. Okay. Because they're really breaking down a pretty large concept. So it opened up with a, a speaker named Jim Quick. Okay. who is a, um, an expert on mental acuity, like memorization and speed reading and all these different things like that. And, uh, fa but fascinating guy, traumatic brain injury at the age of five. Oh, whoa. And incapable of reading for the next nine years because no. of the brain injury. And now he's a genius and he runs a company and, and he wrote this uh, best-selling book that- um, I could read for the Called next Limitless. Night. I could, oh, we have that. Yeah, Jim I brought Quick? it here for you, yep. We have the book over here. I'm going to read that. Brilliant, extraordinary human being. 
Amazing. And I and honestly, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, if I could have a five minute conversation with this guy, the whole weekend was worth I'm my, the book. my investment. And so I'll just, uh, I didn't plan to, but I'm just going to give a little advertisement. Uh, oh, Ford by Mark Hyman. We should actually, I, you know, I'm going to do a special uh, conversation. Uh, with Jim? Quick, yeah. So okay, we'll, I haven't we'll read this book, but this looks like an interesting book. It says Limitless, Upgrade Your Brain, Learn Anything Faster, and Unlock Your Exceptional Life. Yeah, so he spoke first, and he was incredibly uh, compelling. Really cool. interesting. And okay, so, sorry, I'm just reading so, it. Yeah, so then they had different speakers throughout the day. We had lunch, and even lunch was interactive and dynamic. And, uh, and then they had these breakouts, really interesting, where they had these hot seats. So there would be like 10 people in a room, and every person had um, a, an exact uh, amount of time where let's say you had a company and you're you were supposed to bring to the room one problem, one challenge you're facing in your company. The room could bring their group think to help you solve. No way. Yes. That's fantastic. It's amazing. And so me and Jim were the facilitators in our so that breakout. was the breakout you called me about. Right. So I had okay, two okay, of these. Okay. And so Jim Quick Which, and I- Which, can I tell you the, the background of that story? Okay, what's that? So, because, okay, this guy, we haven't talked in two weeks because you, this is the longest we haven't talked for in a while. It's been the longest we haven't seen each other. Yeah, yet. and you were you went off and then you went, and you ended up in Miami. You're traveling all over. And then you called me and you're like, oh my gosh. No, in the group chat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> the family group chat, you- texted he texted a photo and it's just an empty breakout room there's nobody in my room no one it's just him Not he's even like Jim Quick he's, my co-host yeah he's like i guess no one showed up like sad guy no i so, said this no, is what, this is what i i will no 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 i said this is what it looks like when no one shows up at your breakout <laughs> and he just sends a photo and I like I I was like I like I think I had just gone by the house and Mariah and mom were there and I was like hey like I'm sad like this is such a bummer like but he said are you okay and I said I'm fine if and I'm uh, if I'm anything I'm resilient and but you said I'm I'm willing to like earn my yeah I said this is a reminder I'm beginning and I'm willing to earn my the right to be heard. In this new space. Yeah, in this new space. So then, like, I don't hear from him for hours, like, <laughs> hours on hours. Late night, I'm like, hey, like, are you good? Like, did anyone show up? He's like, yeah, I figured out I was 30 minutes early, and, like, they pushed it back, and everyone had the text except for well, me, but the room was packed. Everyone at the so. conference was on a group text except for me. They all got to notice that everything was pushed back 15 minutes, so I, I was about to walk out, and I saw some one of the volunteers. Ke- Kevin the probably got the text that, the, <laughs> yeah. that it was. And so it was really nice when the room was full. <laughs> And, uh, so we so we did these but hot then seats. I, wait, but then I said, I was like, why don't you send the photo of the room being full, not the room being empty? Well, I I had a reason. What was the reason? Because I I wanted to let you know that there'll be days where the room is empty and you don't give up. And I think I said you because you said yeah. you're like I found Jim, and I was like, cool. If no one shows up. Just do an Instagram yeah. live with Jim and you guys can talk about... It's true. He was the first one to show up. <laughs> you yeah. guys can just talk about stuff together. And so the hot seat is that person shares a, a problem in their company. Okay. And then the room just goes at it. And, okay. and me and Jim were supposed to be the facilitators, but they definitely didn't need me. Because <laughs> I could tell you how to take your company from $100 million to zero. <laughs> and, uh, but I wasn't sure if I really could bring what I needed in that moment. And it was fascinating watching different people in the room go... I know exactly what you need to do. Have you thought about this? Have you looked at this? And people are just writing things down going, oh, I never thought about it. Oh, my gosh. And and people would say things like, 
look, I'm about to take your company from 100 million to a billion. Let mm -hmm. me show you what you need to do. And the insights were astonishing. Mm -hmm. And here's what I think what's really interesting. Everyone gave their genius away to each other wow. in that moment. Can you write that down? In that moment, everyone gave their genius away. I think that's the title yeah. of this podcast, How to Give Your Genius, genius away. away. Well, that's good. And Or maybe we save that for another podcast because <laughs> you're starting a new podcast soon. Yes, and it's going to be called... The Genius Of. The Genius Of. Wait, you should have said that. Yeah. What is your new podcast going to be called? I think they know. It's called, <laughs> no, it's called The Genius I, Of, and I, I'm excited. I took that over. All right. I'm really excited, too. So you're going to have some of these people that you met in South Florida on your podcast. Absolutely. And <sighs> uh, so that hot seat was good. We did those breakouts twice. The second time was interesting because now we're three days into it, and almost all the questions in the hot seat the first day was about business. Okay. All the questions the second day about in the hot seat was really about personal life. Okay. Like I'm trying to figure out how to manage my relationship w when I'm working 18 hours a day and, mm. you know, or how do I relate to my family or my kids? And, and, and it's interesting how at first everybody comes with their business face and then everybody eventually just kind of puts on their human personal face. And um, so, yeah, I had a great time. I love the people I met. I, um, I find I found it incredibly like stimulating intellectually to have so many people come up to me and go, I'm an atheist. And uh yeah. you know, and then begin with their perspective and we begin to have a great conversation and uh, and to have several atheists come to me and say, I have never been open to God, never considered the possibility, and this is the first time that I think maybe there is a God and and I'd like to talk more about faith. It's incredible. And, uh, and I felt like that was just for me an incredibly rewarding, you know, experience. And, and also to pay attention and learn how do these people think. Like I, I, I had my learning antennas up at the highest level. So this is how I know you enjoyed it more than Ted. Because every <laughs> when you call me during TED, you're like, hey, I just left this session. It's still going. I just left it. I'm, how are you doing? And you're always asking me questions. And you're like, but in this situation, you had so many stories to tell me. I met this person. They were really interesting. And they do this. And this is this person. And we had this great conversation about this. And I loved it. I was almost overwhelmed with the stories. But it was, I could just tell that, that socially you were so engaged. And maybe it was just because after COVID, but it seemed like you really loved the experience. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think one of the dynamics is um, having had the opportunity to speak, uh, because I, I'm so socially introverted that I don't oftentimes know how to break into a room, mm -hmm. but if I'm given an opportunity to share some of my thoughts or ideas, it creates a whole different like narrative or conversation. So what did you talk about? Uh, Should we say that for the next episode? Well, you know, one of the things, I'll tell you that the line that that really struck me that okay, I used. and then we'll close it out just, yeah. to, just to tease people. Because, you know, I said, hey, you know, you're going to have people who are going to talk to you about Bitcoin and crypto therapy. I know what, crypto therapy, cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency, and there are going to be people who are going to talk to you about how to move your millions into billions, and uh, that's not what I'm going to talk to you about. But I know no matter how much money you make and how many things you accumulate, all of your life you're trying to figure out who you are. And I said, but you can't know who you are until you know what you are. Mm. So I want to talk to you about what you are. And I'm going to talk to you about what it means to be human and why it doesn't come easily. And I think we're going to wrap it up with that because I think that and those need to be the two questions we answer on the next podcast. Would you, would you be into breaking that down? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe? Oh, no. 
<laughs> I'm gonna be so desperate after this episode. Yeah. Okay. Are, so, do you are you you want to say uh, closing words? Uh, you know, we don't usually like um, advertise other people's um, uh, podcasts and stuff. No, but I want to one. I want to just thank Joel Marion, you know, for inviting me to be part of that group. Yes, and I know he has a podcast. Yeah, you guys should check it out. Uh, it's a business podcast. We'll link his podcast in, okay. in the bios. But also, mm-hmm. in three days, Tuesday. This next, yeah, his podcast comes out on Tuesdays. I am going to be on Ed Milet's podcast. So cool. And everyone who listens to us, I just want to encourage you to go over to Ed Milet's podcast. I don't know what it's called, but it's, just check it's Ed It's the Ed Milet Show. Okay. Yeah. Billionaire CEO leader. That's yeah. the subtitle. Oh. <laughs> Not a bad self-description. <laughs> and, uh, um, and it was a great interview. We had a lot of fun, great conversation, That's cool. really. That's cool. And- and he um, told me right before we started the podcast, he said, I, I want to use this podcast to become bold personally about my own faith. So cool. And so we just talked about faith for an hour. So cool. And it was a lot of fun. And, and I just want to encourage everybody to listen in. That's really cool. And, and we, we, they should check it out because yeah. yesterday you were telling me you're going to be on it. So I ended up going on a run in the morning. I was listening to his podcast. He did a podcast with David Rubenstein, mm-hmm. who's like a really prolific figure, capital investor, an older gentleman, but also like CEO of the Smithsonian Museum, like all of these like mm-hmm. incredible chairman, board member things. And then he's also done stuff with Gary Vee. He's done stuff with our friends, Edwin and Teddy. He's also done stuff with like everyone you can think of. Yeah across the board of politics and, and business and all those things. So it's amazing. He gets, I think the, the person he did a podcast with last week was a psychic. It was John Edwards. John Edwards. Psychic, yeah. And then, which was way outside of his uh, comfort zone, I think. Yeah. But he yeah. did it anyway. Yeah. And then now he has you, which I think is really, really interesting and cool. And so I'm excited. I'm excited to, to, to listen to it. Oh, it's good to be back at bat already. It is really good. We missed you guys, and we're so grateful for everything that you guys do. Uh, you guys comment. You guys follow. We got like a ton of followers while we were away. Wow, that's what we need to do is not show up. So I guess when we don't show up, people follow more. So comment, be engaged, send DMs, uh, repost this episode. We are so grateful for every single person who supports this on Anchor. You can listen to this on iTunes, Spotify. You can watch it on YouTube. But comment, repost, get engaged. Let's spread this 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 uh, this episode out there. Thank you guys so much. Hey, thank you guys. Love you, Dad. All right, hey, love you too, bud. All right, bye.